Good morning. Glad you're joining us today. We are studying the book of Joshua right now, and we're going to be in Joshua 23. And as I get to that, as you're turning there, I want to tell you a bit of a story I found on the internet about a man and his wife. They had been married for 55 years, and he was in the hospital again. And he wakes up and he says, Ethel, is that you by my side? She said, yes, dear. He says, Ethel, do you remember when you were by my side at the Veterans Hospital? Yes, I do. And do you remember when our house caught fire and burned? Yes, I do. And do you remember that time when we were really, really poor? Yes, I remember that, dear. And he said, you know, Ethel, you're bad luck. Well, we might laugh at a story like that and whether it's true or not, or whether it's made up, it's just done so to illustrate a point. I found it online, and I hope you enjoyed it. One of the things, though, that it talks about is a couple doesn't stay married 55 years through bad times without making a commitment to one another. They make a commitment. And so we're talking about loyalty. And that's what we're going to see in Joshua chapter 23 today. Um, who is worthy of your lifelong loyalty? One of the things I like about living in Yuma, Arizona, the many Marines that have come through and the families have worshiped with us, and the fact that, well, I've met some quality men and women who've come through Yuma. And one of the things that I have always known as well as you do, and if I get it wrong to my Marine friends, I'm sorry, but their motto is Semper Fidelis. Semper Fidelis, or Semper Fi for short, is Latin for always faithful or always loyal. And that's what it means to be a Marine. But more so, that's what it means to be a servant of God, always loyal to him. So if you're with me in Joshua chapter 23, it says here in the first two verses, a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all the elders of Israel, its heads, its judges, and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. He's called them together for a final meeting. He's reminded them of how God has been with them through the good times, through the bad times, when it was tough. And I imagine it was a time of elation when Jericho fell. And I imagine it was a time of deep sorrow and remorse when they lost that second battle to the city of Ai. So he's rehearsing them that God has done for them. In verses 3 and 4 he says, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain. Along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the West. He's gathered them together. He continues on and says in verse five, saying, the Lord, your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. So he's told them, reminding them of how God has been with them and of what they're doing. 
And now he says he's going to continue on with that. But there are some remaining things that they must do. There's still some nations that need to be conquered. And God's going to drive them out just as he promised. He has been faithful to you. Now it's your turn and your time to be faithful to him. And so in the following verses, verses 6 through 8, Joshua continues, Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or observe their gods, or serve their gods, by bowing down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done this day. He wants them to know to cling to the Lord their God. Cling. It's an interesting word. God has stuck with you. You stick with him. Cling to the Lord your God because of his faithfulness. Cling. What do you think of when you think of cling? Well, one of the things that I think of is this plastic wrap that we use to cover things. And sometimes that stuff sticks to everything. It sticks mostly to itself. It is really good. But clinging, the idea of holding on and never letting go. Uh, in Genesis, about Adam and Eve, about clinging, it's, this, it's a word that would be comparable to it where a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave or cling, if you will, to his wife. Joshua has been telling them, you stick with God, don't pursue other gods, be faithful to the one who's been faithful to you. Now I want you to think about something for a moment. There are several people that we can look to, and we do, and those are those who, well, they're the ones that reach the pinnacle of success in their chosen field of endeavor. And I don't care what that field of endeavor is. It could be a musician. And who will be a successful musician? Well, Gary McPherson in 1997 did a study and he looked at 157 randomly selected children who were going into some type of music. Uh, they were going to play an instrument. The biggest determinant of success that he found was those who, when he asked the question, responded, I'm going to play this forever. You see, there were those in that group that said, I'm just, I just want to try it out. I don't know how long I'll play. Probably not very long. They had no success. Those who wanted to play and get good, maybe from grade school, middle school, up through high school, that was, you know, they were a moderate level of success. But those who really wanted to play said, I'm going to be a musician. I want to play my whole life. Those were the ones that were truly a success. Well, it reminds me of athletes as well, because they're the ones who also, there are a lot of athletes, and we can find young men and young women out on the basketball courts in the wintertime and the summertime playing, we can find them on the baseball field, the softball field, whatever it is, the soccer field. Those who really get, as I would say, bitten by that bug and want to play, 
they will strive to excel. Natural ability, of course, is going to take something. It's going to mean a lot, but years of dedication and hard work and getting better. So consider Michael Jordan. When he was in high school, he tried out in his sophomore year for the varsity basketball team. Now, he was only 5'11 at the time, and he didn't make the team. But he made the junior varsity team, and he played, and he played. He played hard, he trained hard, and he got a spot on the, on the varsity team. And he was sought after by several colleges. And then in his final year before he graduated from college, he was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. And we know the success that Michael Jordan had. In fact, almost I think it's safe to say that basketball and Michael Jordan are, go hand in hand. He was a success because of his dedication to the game. Uh, he would win a college championship when he was at University of North Carolina. He would win several NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls, and he would be the most valuable player recognized several times as well. And that's the way it is with those who choose to follow Jesus. Those who say, I'll try it for a little while, usually don't go too well. But those who say, I'm going to follow Jesus my whole life, they've dedicated themselves. It reminds me, in some ways, of the parable of the sower. And we had the four types of soil, the pathway, the rocky ground, the thorny ground, and the good soil. And we know what happened on the pathway. The birds came in and snatched it. The rocky ground was interesting because it germinated quickly and it grew quickly. But when the heat of the days got so hot, it didn't have deep root and it was scorched out and it died. The thorny ground, well, it was choked out by the weeds and the thorns. The good soil produced some hundred, some thirty, some sixty-fold. So it was there that produced. It was in good soil. And Jesus, in explaining the parable, said Satan snatched away the seed on the rocky ground, on the pathway. But on the thorny ground, it was persecution. It was that which they just weren't in it for the long haul. And they caved, they collapsed under persecution. The thorny ground, well, the world took their eyes off the prize, if you will. Because as Jesus said in his interpretation, his explanation, the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choked out the word. But the good soil, the good soil, it produced some 100, some 60, and some 30. Such is life for a Christian. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must count the cost. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? If you're going to cling to Christ, you're going to be always faithful to him. You must risk all that you have for him. Jim Elliott and some friends of his, some missionary friends, went down to Ecuador many years ago, late 50s, early 1960s, a national news story because of what transpired in their lives. They met the Wahandi, Wahandi tribe in Ecuador, and they wanted to share the gospel with them. Unfortunately, this tribe was treacherous, and they killed these five missionaries that were there. But Jim Elliott is credited with saying this, 
And it describes the relationship that we are to have with Christ in this fashion. As he said it this way, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You give up what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. That is faithfulness. He was willing to go to that tribe and stick with it, even though they would later kill him. So we cling to God. We cling to Christ because you can count on him. You can trust him to keep his promises to you. Much like what the Apostle Paul would say in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For I know whom I have believed, that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted to him against that day. I've entrusted my life, my soul, my being to God, and he can keep it. And he would say in Romans chapter 8 toward the end, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Cling to God because you can count on him. You can trust him to keep his promises to you. Now, following on down in verses 9 and 10, it reads this way, as Joshua tells them, For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. God is promising to fight for them. He's reminded of them of that. He wants them to know exactly what's going on and how God is on their side. Recall in Joshua chapter 5 at the end there, before they took the walls of Jericho down, that they met the commander of the Lord's host. He wasn't on their side and he wasn't on the side of Jericho. He was on the Lord's side and he was inviting Joshua and all of Israel, therefore, to be on God's side with him. He's reminding the leaders of Israel before he leaves, before he dies, and is united with his fathers in death, that God is the one who fights for them. And so in verse 11, he says, as a warning, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Be careful. Take care. Take concern about your relationship with him. God is committed to you. You commit to him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. The greatest of promises, the greatest of the commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, we cling to God. Several years ago, well, a little over three years ago, in December of 2016, a story that appeared in the news, there was in Los Angeles at the airport, Someone was trying to bring a big teddy bear, but it didn't make it on the plane. And you say, why? Well, it was too big. Somebody took a picture of it and asked the question, why does this teddy bear look so sad? And the caption read, he was abandoned by his owners at LAX after the airline and TSA determined that he was too big to be screened as a carry-on and therefore be taken on the plane. He was abandoned. And so the post on the internet said, this is not okay, TSA. It made it into Time Magazine, and where TSA, the headline was, TSA just made this giant teddy bear homeless. 
you know, people may abandon you. People abandon other people. They abandon their friends. Sometimes they abandon their family. Sometimes they abandon God. Jesus promised in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Something very similar. Uh, sounds like it comes just right outside of, out of the book of Joshua. But in chapter 13 and verse 5, the writer of Hebrews says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is going to be there with you. Cling to him because he is the Lord. You can count on him. And Joshua has given all of the people of Israel, all of these leaders who are going to be leading the people of Israel, every reason to remind them of their reason to be faithful to God. Cling to the Lord because you count on him. But on the other hand, you do not want to cling to the world. In chapter 23 of Joshua, verses 12 and 13, Joshua continued on and saying, For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they will be a snare and a trap, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off of this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Don't associate with these nations. Be careful when you're around them because they're going to lead you astray is what he's trying to tell them. If you go after them and serve their gods, well, God will let you do that. But it will be disastrous for you. They will be a snare and a trap and a whip on your sides, thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off of this good ground the Lord has given to you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All of them have come to pass. Not one of them has failed Joshua wants them to know that God is faithful and he made promises to them and he has kept those promises. He had given to them all of the good things. Read that again. Not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised you. All have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. They received the entirety of the promised land. That was theirs. God had promised it to Abraham. They possessed it. In verses 15 through 16, he continues on and saying, But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you concerning you have been fulfilled, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off of this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. And you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. In other words, what he's saying, if you serve these other gods, the gods of the nations and the land in which you're going, if you serve them and not God, God will punish you. You will die. You will perish. That was his warning to the leaders of Israel that day. And that's God's warning to us as well. 
In 1 John chapter 2, in 1 John chapter 2, John tells us about the world and what it is like. He says it in this fashion in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. First of all, verse 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. He's telling us, do not love the world. Take it into consideration. Do not fall in love with it. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. God loves you. He just doesn't want you to fall in love with the world. He wants you to be in love with him. It reminds me in the sense of what Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon had a lot of wisdom. He was considered the wisest man in the world. But in chapter 2 of verses 18 through 21, he says this, I hated all my toil, in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be the master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toils of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is vanity and a great evil. All that's in the world is passing, and you and I are going to pass. And I think Solomon is saying here is that he worked hard, used his efforts, his wisdom, and he's going to die, and he's not going to be able to take it with him. There are no U-Haul trailers following a hearse, as the joke goes. Those who love eternity will live forever. Those who love this world will die. Once again, we do not want to cling to the world. And you see examples of people clinging on all the time. A couple of years ago, police in the state of New Hampshire pulled over a pickup truck. It had a mountain of items strapped to it. It's traveling down an interstate in New Hampshire. It had multiple pieces of furniture, a bike, a shovel, a shopping cart, even a 32-inch TV. The stack almost doubled the size of the vehicle. It may have impressed people, and I think you've seen people who are moving sometimes, and they have stuff packed into a pickup truck, and it's just amazing how they got all that in there, and it's tied down, and it's got the bungee cords and ropes, and oh, it's impressive. Well, the police pulled it over. They didn't like it. They gave the man a ticket, and he said they towed the van to prevent a potential accident from occurring. Police warning people that that's just the way it is. Those things are a hazard. All it takes is for that rope to break and cause a disaster. So you can't take it with you. Sometimes it's best to look toward God. Well, all the time it's best to look toward God and rely on him. We're not taking any of these things of the world with us. And so we're, we can't take a U-Haul with us when we go to heaven. God is there, and that is sufficient. Mary Jo Sales, 
was doing some research and writing a book. And she had a conversation with a young lady in Los Angeles at the mall. And they were talking about social media. And this young girl was just talking about how social media was really hurting her friends and seemed to be drawing her, their lives, destroying their lives. And sales replied, so why don't you just go off of it? You know, why don't you close your account? Stay off the internet. And that sounds reasonable to you and me. If a person's got a problem, why not get off of it? If something is destroying you, let it go. Get rid of it. Well, the girl's response was an instantaneous one. And she said, because we would have no life. We would have life. Life was caught up in social media. Life is more than social media. Hopefully during this stay at home because of the virus, we are learning more about one another, about our families. We have time with them. Sometimes parents are home to be work, to be homeschooling their children now. One thing I saw on Facebook, as I'm on social media as well, was a meme. Now that we are homeschooling, it's time to bring Bible back into the school. Now you can take that opportunity at home if you have children and grandchildren that you're helping with. Teach them some Bible stories. Take them to websites that will have some good quality Bible teaching with them. Social media has become an idol to some. Promising life brings death. And it doesn't matter if it's social media or just an overreaching pursuit of wealth and pleasure, the thirst for power. Those things promise something, but they really don't deliver. They're a con job, if you will. They will destroy you in the end. So don't cling to the things of this world because it'll never be worth it in the end. As I get ready to close my remarks, I'm going to tell you a story from the late, night, the late 1500s in Japan. Hideyoshi was a Japanese warlord and he ruled Japan in the late, in the late 1500s. And during his reign, he commissioned the building of a statue of Buddha. It was going to be a huge statue. In fact, it was. It took 50,000 men and five years to build it. It would have been a sight to see. Unfortunately, we can't see it today because after it was built, in 1596, there was an earthquake. It brought the roof of the shrine crashing down on the statue and destroyed it. In his rage, Hideyoshi shot an arrow at the fallen statue. I put you here at great expense, he shouted, and you can't even look after your own temple. That's the nature of any idol. That's the nature of the things of this world. They put a great deal of expense in our lives. They cost us a lot. And they're all going to come crashing down. So don't cling to the world. Because it will fall all around you. Cling to the Lord. Because you can count on him. After all, the Lord demonstrated his great love for you and me. By dying on a cross. And rising again. He took the punishment that was deserved to us. Not while we were his friends, but while we were his enemies, he took things into his hand and he gave his life so that we might be reconciled 
to him. Romans chapter 5. So commit your life to the Lord. Commit your life because he is committed to you. Isaac Watts put it this way in a song. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Now, typically, if we were here together at Central, we'd extend an invitation. I'm going to do that in this recorded video. If anyone has a need, they can call me on the phone. I'll be happy to talk to you. If you can send me an email, I'd be happy to correspond with you wherever you are. If you need to make a decision for Christ, to rededicate your life to him or start anew, Please get in contact with me. Make it known. Somehow we'll make it happen. We will pray for you. We will honor your request. But know this, that as the Lord has committed for you, we too in Christ are committed for you and to you as well. I want to thank you once again for being with us via this taped lesson. Uh, I do long to get together with you as soon as we can. Be blessed, be safe, walk with God. Amen.